Hello, everyone. Welcome back to First Off, You're Wrong, a podcast by two dudes smart enough to see problems, but too dumb to figure out how to fix them. I am Luke with me, Jeremiah. Hi. We're, just, we're sticking with the uh, nice, pleasant, quiet intros that make everyone feel good and warm inside. I think we can be a little bit more like NPR. Well, we also have fall coming up. I feel like we just need to be a little more sensitive to just, you know, the changing of seasons. I have lots of allergies this year, which I haven't had in 30 years. Um, that's, that's a great point, Luke. And I, I just want to say... And I want to counteract what you're saying and uh, go along with it. Why well. are why are they all why do they all talk like that on NPR? I read an article about it one time and it was so boring I forgot. Okay, so well, there yeah. is a reason, but I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's just in it is nice on the radio. Last week was PDA in church. Um, I think we both can agree we loved that episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we went into that one. Yeah, last week, and we're just like, oh yeah, this will be fine. And then it got real serious, and we're like, we did not prepare enough for this one. We didn't prepare enough, and and I, like I, I texted Jeremiah, I was like, I was very lackadaisical. I don't know what was going on with me last week, and I still got through that, but I just, yeah. I mean, it was funny, though. I, I enjoyed listening when I was having to edit it. It was fine. But then if you're really looking for any kind of like in-depth part, I think we were just kind of like, didn't really like massages. That was was our most shallow episode we have ever done. It was just, it boiled down to, we don't like people massaging their wife in church. Yeah. Yeah. And then that one guy on Instagram, have you seen those comments? I have not. I actually have not looked at any Instagram (laughs) comments. I've been really bad at looking at Instagram. He commented and was like, is that what? Jesus was doing with the naked young man in a public park in Mark 14, 51 and 52. What? Which is, there's there's an excerpt in Mark where it says that there was a young man wearing a cloth who fled after Jesus was arrested and was seized. And when he was seized, he escaped, but they held on to his garment, which was pretty much... When you look at it, it wasn't like a normal tunic. It was like a cloth, kind of like a thin bathrobe. So yeah. it was like he was sleeping. He was wearing his pajamas or he threw that on after he woke up and with all the noise and everything. And then he tried to run away, had his garments seized off. And it says, and he ran away naked. It doesn't say who but it was. I think it's, I think it's Mark, but he, he brought that up and I was like, what are you, what is what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that Jesus was massaging but even, but a young even, man? And, but even if you're going, and I, he still hasn't with, clarified on it. Even if you're going with that, like it, it said that he had garments on and he was arrested, and then as he was escaping, they got. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Hit him with a disclaimer. All right, as you guys remember, this podcast is mainly opinion based. Otherwise, we explicitly state it. Of course, as Christians, our utmost authority is Scripture. But with many of the topics we deal with, they may or may not be addressed. Or they may be gray areas in the Christian life. Our goal is to make you come away from this podcast thinking about subjects you may not have thought about in the past or thinking about a new subject entirely. With that said, Luke, what are people wrong about this week? People this week are wrong about deconstruction of Christianity and ex-evangelicalism. Yeah. Ex, ex-evangelicalism. I, I keep saying ex-evangelical. I think it's, it's, that's it's a valid. ex-evangelical. 
Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Did the cat just run into the window? <laughs> I don't know what ran in the window. Anyway, it's ex-evangelical. They say it's not a movement, but then it then like the first article about it says ex-evangelical is a social movement. So I don't know who to believe really at all on this on this topic, but have that's you, who we're talking. What's it we're talking about this week? Have you ever before we go in and define what it is? Have you ever like heard someone? use the term like I'm deconstructing my faith or I'm I'm uh reassessing the Bible. Have you ever heard someone like so, in real life use that? So I have um a, a family member on the in law side and they I actually had not heard someone specifically say that oh I'm ex evangelical or I've I've deconstructed my faith um before and she this is a new person, a girlfriend that's come into the fold recently and that she's very proud of it and just said, yeah, I'm, I'm an ex-evangelical and my mother-in-law did not know what to do with that and just comes up, wait, did you hear? What, what does that even mean? And I was like, well, I said, I'll tell you what it means, but I was like, I haven't heard someone say it before. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I, that's the only, I've heard of people... So when as I was doing research on this, I've had many friends that have, I guess, maybe in their mind they've looked at their faith and gone, oh well, this was all fake and and, and, and you know this isn't real and you know God's not real or whatever. Um, even some family members, but at the time it wasn't called this. This yeah. wasn't a thing. It would that was it was a while back. Well, so. What would it what would it have been called before like i think there was a hashtag exvangelical which went around i think but when Blake was that? chastain a few yes, years ago it was it was a few years ago so the this all for them happened more like in the 2012 area 2010 area did they have a, a that, term for it back then or was uh, it just it was just like you're you're just questioning your faith that's all it was questioning you're you're, your you're, you're questioning everything yeah and and really what it comes down to is you just never had faith at all in my yeah. opinion and you know, you you went to church because your parents made you go. You didn't. You never really got in, in. You didn't. Not involved in the church, but you never really got involved in the gospel. You never really understood what Christ did for you. you never really believed in what He did for you. Um, and so you just look at it, and a lot of it comes from a very immature viewpoint of, well, this terrible thing happened to me. Therefore, God. That that was the best argument, and obviously facetious. Best argument I ever heard was. Um, you know, God did this thing to me, so I don't believe that He's real. So is it? It was it like a <laughs> if God good, why bad thing happened? Yeah, exa- sort of exactly. But, but because he because bad thing happened, he he's not real. Okay. But I said, but you just said God did it to you. That was my favorite one. But it it really just boiled down to God did bad or bad thing happen. God's to blame. Why would He do this? And that's always what I, I think. I think a lot of the people that have, quote, deconstructed that, of course, they did this before this was a term, um, a lot of it stems from something bad happening in their life, and then them being like, why would God do that to me? Hmm. And yeah. and then it's like me sitting there, and you know, sometimes it comes down to the whole, I, I can't explain the things of heaven. I'm sorry. There's some things I can't explain to you. And to them, that's not good enough. You should be able to do that. that that's, that's a cop-out. And so then yeah. it just, and then they just affirm their position more. I pray more and more for them. But the, the, the good thing is with those people is I don't get too wrapped in the weeds on that. I try to just pray for them, try to bring them back. But anyway, that's that's kind of the old school thing. I haven't been around these the, the new Gen Z um, 
well, I guess it wasn't a Gen Z person that made this happen, but I think it's it, more millennial. And now I'm a millennial. I, yeah. Good job. <laughs> I promise. Thanks Obama. But the, uh, it, it, it's been these, how many, like not the older millennials as much that I've seen, but some of the younger millennials that I've seen doing it. Yes. Younger millennials into Gen Z. It yeah. has to be. And they're the ones that are saying like no cap and, yeah. Uh, vibes and well dude what if it is a vibe though and um on god that's right (laughs) 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 but yeah it's it's that demographic it's that that generation and the the term deconstruction i want to get into that so we have a good definition of what that means before we go down the specific christian use so yep. the term deconstruction of it's a you you hear of like critical race theory but critical theory is just a generalized philosophical theory of everything can be questions you have to be questioned everything can, wow everything I'm can be questioned <laughs> I almost had it that time though but the the theory is that everything can be questioned you should be critical of everything and sometimes it's race, sometimes it's economics, sometimes it's art, and it leads to postmodernism. And this this started in the post World War One era when you look at Europe and it had just been destroyed, and no one had ever seen war like they had in World War One. You know, people coming back shell shocked. That was not a thing until World War One. People coming back missing limbs, de- destroyed lungs from gas attacks stuff like that had never happened before and so people started thinking well stuff like that has never happened before what else can we do that's never happened before and it started this snowball of critical theory and postmodernism now in it's like 19 it was in the 1930s a guy Jacques Derrida was born and he became a very prominent figure in the postmodernist movement uh, and in 1967, he wrote the book Off, Gra- Off Grammatology, and I've never read the book, wouldn't recommend other people read the book, but that's where the term deconstruction comes from. Uh, it, nothing has an objective meaning, according to deconstruction. Is that more like, uh, that's my truth? Yeah, yeah so okay. that's, that's my truth, I'm speaking my truth, you can mm-hmm. speak your truth, but I'm speaking mine. Uh, anything can mean anything, so... You can you Wait, could so like be words, saying so words don't don't matter. No, then? words do not matter. It doesn't okay. matter what you what the context was. It doesn't matter what you intended to say. It doesn't matter how it's being used. What matters is how I perceive it. So hmm. it, it, even if you you could say it doesn't hey, seem dangerous at all. Hey, you did a really really good job in your baseball game today, Timmy. How dare you call me a baseball player? How, does that mean I'm not good when I play baseball other days? But that, so it's this hypercritical, hyperanalytical time too. Like and, you look very beautiful today. Do I not look beautiful other days? Yeah, that kind of thing. And that's that's a lot of postmodernist yeah. thought. Some of that's just women, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm but not editing that out. But a lot of it is postmodernist thought. It's it and it leads back primarily to deconstruction and specifically that term. And the other, the, the last key point that Derrida maintains with deconstruction is that you can never stop deconstructing. And that is where 
not just a critical tenet of deconstruction, but also of critical theory in general, which is once you tear down one cultural structure, then there is another one that also has to be torn down. So once we get rid of uh, a, a capitalist society, just to use an example, if we can get rid of that capitalist society, well, in order to deconstruct that capitalist society, we have to deconstruct the foundations of that. Okay, well, what are the foundations of that? Uh, dual parent households that instill values in people uh, and yep. make them independent instead of relying on the government. We should deconstruct that, make people more reliant on the government. What else can we deconstruct about that? Oh, well, the government. We can deconstruct the government. The government shouldn't be uh, run by you know elected officials. It should be run by X, Y, and Z people that we predict and that we put in power so that way they can deconstruct even further. That's a high-level macro view of deconstruction. But when you look at Christian deconstruction, people who say they're deconstructing their faith, a lot of times what that means is people, they tend to be raised maybe in a very specific sect of Christianity, and they they start to look at it and say, well, why do I follow X, Y, and Z tradition? And from there, analyzing their tradition then goes a step further, and they say, well, why am I following the Bible? And then it goes a step further. How do we... Do we have any proof of the Bible? Do we do any of this? And they keep going and keep deconstructing and keep deconstructing and keep deconstructing until they get to a point where they, they're either honest and say they're agnostic or they're dishonest and say they're atheist. I, I don't believe in atheists. So. Well, I don't think there's anything so, uh, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as an atheist, period. <laughs> but, um, dude, come on. <laughs> so but, rude. Um, I, I had a guy get mad at me. When, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I was witnessing to a guy, and I, I well, I attempted to. And I said, hey, man, you, you want to talk for a second? And he saw I was holding a tract, and he said, I don't, I don't want to talk about any religious stuff. I'm not, uh, I'm not religious. And I, I looked at him, and I said, I don't believe you. And he oh, looked at me. Oh, dang, dude. No, you have not told me this story. <laughs> he, he looked at this me and crazy. said, I do not want to talk to you. And he just got up and walked away. So I do not believe that was you. dang. Bro, I may have, I been like, I may okay, have overplayed you. by hand. No, that was but, good. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't believe in non-religious and atheist people. I think, I think it's also, let's just get, you know, let's just go on a tangent. I think that, we, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we made it 15 minutes. You should be proud I of think, us. I think that when people go and, and evan- and do evangelism and stuff like that, I don't know why I said stuff like that. When they share, when they spread the gospel, when you're going and handing out tracks, you're talking to people, I think that we get really, really timid. At least I have when I've done it, and it's probably why I don't like doing it. Is because I, I just it's you. You start acting like you're in the position of like submission to someone else, and so you get very, very timid and stuff like that. And I think that if more people, it's not like I'm saying go and attack people with, with the Bible, but you, it's like go with more confidence like that, where you go, I don't believe you. And you put them on the spot, like, "Whoa, hold on now." Um, and then some people will be like, "Well, oh, I mean, he didn't listen to you, so therefore you lost." But it's like, no. But you know what? He'll never forget that, and he will not forget that interaction. Something, something I, I like to if, if I'm closing out, and I, I say this like I, I'm not trying to say, "Oh, I witness people all the time," but I have in the past, and I'm not trying to pump myself up as some expert. I'm not great at it. All the power that happens is through Christ. I'm not speaking in those moments, but the uh, 
the my one of my favorite closers is to say, look, you know, I, I can tell you're trying to go somewhere. I'm not going to hold you up any far any longer. Uh, but I want you to think about this when you lay your head on your pillow tonight. Uh, if you didn't wake up tomorrow, are you sure you're going to the place you think you're going? And everyone will look and say, oh yeah, of course I'm sure. But the only way you can be sure is when you know that the work of Christ has been done in your life. If you're a Catholic, you have no surety of salvation because how do you know you didn't accidentally commit a mortal sin? The church has not, the Catholic church, has not ever perfectly defined what is mortal and venial sin. So how do you know if you haven't committed a mortal sin? If you're a Muslim, how do you know that your scales will be weighed correctly? How do you know that you have not accidentally committed a, a form of haram? How, how do you know that you are safe? And for the Buddhist, for the Hindu, I don't know a whole lot about them. But at the same time, how, how do you know when you die, you have not committed some form of sin, some form of disregard for whatever God you hold to right. that is making you not go to whatever your version of the no place is. If there's no surety in Christ and what he did, then th- you have n- you have nothing. Mm-hmm. You, you just have yourself, and really. And that's, when, when, when you witness to someone, you definitely have to make it apparent. You can have surety. You can lay your head on that pillow tonight and be sure of where you're going. You can sleep well. Tangent N- nice aside. Nice tangent. <laughs> anyway, so let's go with... The very succinct definition of deconstructionism. So this is the process by which Christian a Christian critically reevaluates the tenets and doctrines of traditional Christianity and emerges with a different perspective on their faith. Because when I look at this stuff and I look it up, a lot of it's like this isn't a movement. There's not people sitting there. They don't all go to the same place. Trying to almost like they're trying to make it where it's like this. This can be really good where like someone questions something like if they're um i don't know a fundamentalist or something and they can they're oh well they're no longer fundamentalist they're now like more reformed or something like that so it could be a good thing and Mm -hmm. that's but of course these are secular people telling me that i didn't really read a whole lot of uh christian of christian uh literature saying any kind of good things about it i can't remember if it was jill or ginger duggar but it was one of those two, and we, I'm, we've talked about the Duggar documentary, we've talked about the Duggars before on here, but I'm pretty sure it was Ginger. She was talking about when she was going through her whole um, leaving the Duggar family and moving away from where they are with her, with her husband and getting away from that cult, Um. She she talked about she started going down the deconstruction rabbit hole and found that it just is a downward spiral into nothingness and disbelief. But what she found was the correct thing to do is disentangling. So you can deconstruct if you have a I don't know uh, if you have a ball of yarn and it gets all knotted up and it's you can't pull one side or the other to get more th- more yarn out. You can do one of two things. You can Take a pair of scissors or a machete and chop it in half. Why a machete? I don't know. Violence. (laughs) Or you can take the time 
and slowly pull on that yarn to get it back to a straight line and then roll it back up into a ball that's clean and that is useful for what you're doing. Deconstruction is taking the machete to the ball of yarn and then looking at the fragments you have and taking whatever piece is longest at the time, but then you use that up, so then you have to try and cobble together something, and whatever you're making is now knotted and terrible. But disentangling is keeping the core tenets of what you have always believed, but taking away the excess, taking away what has been stopping you from continuing. So when you look at the fundamentalist movement, there's a lot of tradition in that that weighs people down. It is especially focused on outward appearance instead of heart attitude. I've heard a fundamental or I heard someone tell me they were having a conversation with some someone sometime that said, uh, if you don't wear a suit while you're preaching, that's a sin. That is fundamentalist baggage that is just weighing you down that you should disentangle and get away from. Should you disentangle the Trinity? Should you disentangle uh, the doctrine of salvation? Should you disentangle the, the, the Bible and say, oh, well, you know, we can actually try and disprove that Jesus even existed? No, that's, that's not disentangling. That's rejecting what the Christian faith is all about. Well, and also if you look at it, deconstruction versus de, was it detanglement? Disentanglement. Disentanglement. So deconstruction is just a nice fancy word that just means destruction. Mm-hmm. It's like calling an abortion clinic a women's health center. So it's, you know, we can call it a nice fancy name that's not what it what it, it is what it is, I guess, in this case because you're de, you're taking something and pulling it apart, but it's just destruction. And I think that also it's used as more of a me- that's used as a mechanism for Satan to come in. Mhm. Whereas disentanglement is very different. I'm not looking at the tenets and going, oh, the the Bible is so wrong about this, even though it says it in the Bible, which would be like for homosexuality, for sexual immorality, for all these things that like, and I go with more of the social things because I think that's what we mostly everyone disagrees on nowadays. You, it's instead of sitting here and being like, okay, well, those aren't actual bad things in the Bible. You know, I'm I'm looking at the Bible and I'm going to deconstruct that down. It's more of, you know, with disentanglement, I'm going to look at what I'm doing and be like, I'm doing this tradition. Why am I doing it? Mm -hmm. Is it something that is actually edifying to me? Is it something that's biblical? And if it's not and I don't want to do it anymore, is it a sin? And it, I think, dis, not I think, but disentanglement is the using the use of the Bible to figure something out Mm -hmm. as opposed to deconstructionism, which is like, I don't, I'm actually going to question the Bible as well. I'm not going to use the Bible. It's now about me. I'm the one who's going to quote critically. I am the arbiter of all truth. And I am going to reinterpret the Bible under my own view. And I'm going to take what I want and get rid of what I don't like. There's a Babylon Bee article a while ago that said progressive church uh, introduces Bibles with tearaway pages for <laughs> for easier use, and it's like, yeah, that's 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 pretty accurate to what a lot of these deconstructionist progressive types are doing. And but they go don't a lot of these deconstructionists like so because that's what they're okay articles I read 
and, and research I've done, they said that a lot of the people that deconstruct, they move to the progressive church. They become, quote, atheists or agnostic, which we all, you just told us your uh, opinion of that. <laughs> and um, Or they move to a different denomination, I, I suppose. Non-denominational, or as we call it, what, Baptist with Baptist extra steps? Baptist with extra steps. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so... Um, so is this just like a farm system for the progressive church? And the progressive church would be some, the church that would be like pretty much takes all, everything is fluid. We take things that are quote, were looked at badly in 1800 and we go, well, nowadays it's different. And you know, obviously God changes. So we should totally allow it to happen. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Yes. That's absolutely sarcasm. Um, They've but, already clipped it. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Ruined. But the I'm never gonna meet John MacArthur. No, no. <laughs> uh, but the it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation of did the progressive Christians spawn people deconstructing, or did deconstructing people spawn progressive, progressive churches? Progressive churches, yeah. I can't answer that one, honestly. I think that it, it might be both. You know, you might have some churches, especially a lot of Methodist churches that were how did they preaching get... like love is love and that's all that matters. But how and... did they get there? Well, that's the, the Methodist the Methodist church has always been more focused on uh, like community need and sharing and helping. And methods. And well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but the... <laughs> the... <laughs> Never gonna meet Steve no. Lawson. No. <laughs> <laughs> but and just over time, there have been people who have taken that and just kept moving and moving and moving to the point that the pseudo mantra of Methodist now is the the greatest of these is love. You know, yeah. mis- misquoting or mis misreading the Bible. <laughs> Misdefining. Um, misdefining a lot of <laughs> things. Defining, yes. Taking one verse and using it as your entire life's mission. Um, but And so that's kind of been the role that they have been on. But I, I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't tell you whether, and it's not just the Methodist church. There's a ton of other churches. Baptist churches are just as guilty of doing this. I mean, you look at Rick Warren's church was part of the Southern Baptist hey, Convention until recently. 40 days of, and nights of, what was it called? Four days of a firm lifestyle or a oh. pro- not progressive lifestyle. Golly. I don't know. I just, I, I fumbled it. I'm sorry. I don't but, remember. Or, you I know, had to read it. It's you, terrible. A lot of Pentecostal churches. There, I could name every single denomination. I could even go over to the Catholics and say, hey, there's tons of Catholics that are in this progressive church mindset. So it's not just strictly one denomination is what I'm trying to get at. But right. uh, a lot of churches have been influenced by deconstruction and a lot of deconstruction has been spawned by churches because you got to think if a church is preaching that you know we don't actually have to uh, pay attention to what Paul wrote Um, we actually don't even know if Paul wrote a lot of the books that they claim he wrote so really we don't have to pay attention to 13 14 books of the New Testament so just you know we're not going to pay and you know what we're not going to the Old Testament we don't the Old Testament's old. It says it in the name. We don't need that anymore. And then eventually you get to the point where you're like uh, Andy Stanley, where he gets up on a Sunday morning and says, in order to be a Christian, you just have to believe something in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Not all four, just one of those books. If you believe something, you're a Christian. That is 
almost a direct quote from almost yeah almost <laughs> i hope so, it would be very far from a direct quote because that doesn't make any real sense no it doesn't but it's andy Stanley. i believe jesus wept yes do i win i guess i win ding 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 you got according your fire to insurance. mr stanley um but <laughs> that you know you that is obviously going to influence some people because then they start thinking oh well if i only have to believe part of that then what's the rest of this doing here oh i don't want to listen to the i don't believe any of that now and so they deconstruct but then are people who have deconstructed still ministers promoting certain things yeah brandon robertson is a good example of that i don't know if brandon robertson necessarily deconstructed or if he was already there when he became a minister if you don't know who brandon robertson is he's very very popular TikTok, Instagram pastor. He has a church uh, where he's very much into uh, all of the critical theory. He very much preaches um, equal justice, social, not equal justice, social justice, uh, all, all this sort of stuff that you could expect coming from a very liberal viewpoint. Uh, and as you could also guess, about 95% of it is heretical. Uh you can look him up on your own time. I don't want to get too much more into him. Or you can look at Joshua Harris, who was we talked about last week, very influential in the purity culture culture days of the church. Uh, you know, back in the early two thousands, wrote a book, "I Kiss Dating Goodbye." Did several seminars, did a lot of stuff, and now he is he has stated that he's walked away from the faith. He is a, he's an apostate. He says he deconstructed to a point where he. Uh, left the faith. Well, it's just, it's complete chaos. That's what it is. What you, we described is if you're constantly, like you never stop deconstructing, then you just come to the point of implosion. Everything yeah. is, everything is nothing and nothing is everything. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't, how, how in the world could you live a life how of any sort if you're just constantly, I just have to con- continue deconstructing this and the words don't matter about it. You're good. <laughs> and the words don't matter about it. And I'm just never going, there's never a point where I can be like, okay, you know, there's truth. Yeah. No, it's, it's my truth that changes all the time. It's not objective. Mm-hmm. Nothing is. And I'm going to continually keep like looking at each individual tenant of my life and then trying to make sure that either what, the truth is my truth is correct or maybe it's not and I need to switch now. And then you just, it's complete chaos at that point. So yeah. how could you ever, of course you left the faith. It, of course you did. It, it, a lot of it too. So I think we should, uh, I have, you supplied me with a list of a lot of reasons people depart from your evangelical faith. <laughs> and a lot of these can be expected. Um, you know, they're, they're people, they come across stuff and now they're part of the world and they've grown up in the church. They never really had great instruction in righteousness, or maybe they did and they just weren't listening and they had hard hearts that would not receive what was happening, what was, what was being taught to them. And they grow up, now they're adults, they're teenagers, and they start looking around and they say, oh, well... You know, I I can't be a part of a f- the evangelical the Christian faith because you know I I don't want to be homophobic. 
Uh, I don't want to be misogynistic because the Bible teaches a patriarchy uh, or, you know, racist. I don't want to be late. The Bible is a racist book and so many of these evangelical churches are racist. Look, I'm sure that there are homophobic churches, positive of it. Guarantee you there are homophobic churches. Guarantee you that there are misogynistic patriarchal churches. Guarantee you there are racist churches. That is, that is, I'm, you go around the world, you're bound to found, find at least one of those somewhere. But when you look at that, if you were a honest person and you actually were studying what the Bible says, you could point to where each of those is wrong in, according to the Bible. And then you could say, well, I'm not going to go to that church anymore. I'm going to find a church that does not teach those things. Take one, homophobia, right? Obviously, the Bible is very, very, very clear about homosexual relationships. Uh, if you if you have question about that, if you're concerned about, well, I don't know really what the Bible says about same-sex relationships, same-sex marriage. Well, for same-sex marriage, it's pretty clear. Jesus said that he created them male and female and that there will be husbands and wives. Wives can't have, a, a woman can't be a husband, and a man cannot be a wife. So that rules out marriage because they are created to be husband and wife. And you look further, you can just look up the meaning of, of, of what Paul was saying in Romans, where he goes through that whole litany of sins, and it's one of them is I can't remember the Greek it's, word it's for like it. Men laying with men, and then women giving up their natural mm-hmm. um, inclination. And and then he says what he says. And such were some of you. Such yeah. and were, such were some of you. Yes, were. And there's many other verses you can point to. Now, should a church be like Westboro Baptist Church in Kentucky? I think uh, they're the yes. ones with the you know they have the spicy words on their signs that I can't say on a family friendly podcast. And also, don't they like they go and protest like troops mm-hmm. the burials or something like that? Yeah, they do. They do a lot of crazy stuff. There's only thirty members in that church. It's not nearly as big as people want to make it seem. But it, is Westboro Baptist wrong? Yeah, because you're supposed to speak the truth in love. You want someone who speaks the truth in love but is very impactful in what he does on all three of these topics. I've heard him say something about all three of these topics literally in the last week. Vody Balkum. Talk about him a lot. But he has addressed each one of those three issues that we outlined. He has addressed the biblical stance on homosexuality and same-sex relationships. He has addressed the patriarchy, if you want to use a buzzword. He has addressed uh, misogyny. He has addressed racism. All three of those things he has talked about. And he has explained the biblical response to those things in an incredible way. He's, he's one of my favorite preachers. but And he's not the only one that's teaching those things. In fact, I would argue if you go to any... Meh, I won't say that. Don't that's, say any. Don't say any. <laughs> if you go to many... Reformed churches. If you go to many evangelical churches, you will find that they are teaching the truth in love, right? You, in in love, you have to say hard things. Look, if your daughter is got slobber on her hands, you know, she's sucking on her thumb or whatever, and then she reaches 
towards an electrical outlet, what are you going to do? Stop her. Okay. Why? <laughs> That's not loving. What if she wants to do that? Well, exactly. And it comes down to what you're doing is wrong. But it doesn't mean that I hate you. No. I and and that's the complete disconnect. And that's what I think. Or that's not what I again. I see you say I think this. I need to stop saying that because I don't <laughs> think it. This is just the truth. I'm sorry, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the 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 problem is that people don't like to hear. Oh, Christians do not agree with same sex marriage. Same sex marriage. Christians agree that the male is the head of the household. They don't like to hear these things, so it doesn't become a, this is what they believe. They don't hate you if you don't believe that. No. It, but it, but in, in the mind of the world, with Satan at the lead, that's what it comes out as. It's the, the, the church believes this and, thinks, and, and says this is a sin. Therefore, they hate you if you do it. And they hate anyone that thinks it's okay. And that's just the furthest thing from the truth. It's like there has never been a time where I've had a friend who comes out as a gay person that I've said, you know what? I hate you now and I'm never going to be friends with you again. That is just not true. It has never happened in my life and it never will happen in my life. Now, if you're sitting there and then you're going to be attacking my faith constantly and constantly, we're obviously going to separate. We're not going to be friends. But it's... Just because that's you does not mean that we can't be friends, that I can't sit there and still love you and still want what's best for you. It's just not. If you don't agree that the man is the head of the household and should lead as such, that's okay. I don't agree with you, but it doesn't mean I hate you. No. But that's what deconstruction is, and that's what exvangelical stuff is, is that it's they don't agree with you, therefore they hate you. Look at everything that's going on politically. Look at everything that's going on with just everyday conversations. I Even I feel it in myself because the world just gets to you where it's like, this person doesn't agree with you. I already start having an inclination of, I, I don't like you as much as I used to. I don't like you. Mm-hmm. Like you and me, I hate you now. I'm joking. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I, I don't, I, I, I start to be like, I have to catch myself like it doesn't matter this person doesn't agree with me mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that we are completely separate viewpoints on this we can still be friends we can still love each other we can still want what's best for each other obviously i'm not condoning that for like marriage or something that's something that i again it's in the bible another thing that people don't like don't be unequally yoked funny thing is your brother brought it to me he said hey you know this says that in the bible but he goes it goes for a lot more than just marriage he said, think about all the other stuff that you do in your life. Like, you know, he said, talk about like having an accountant. If that accountant is like an atheist or something, it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, well, I can't ever have an atheist accountant. But it comes down to if that accountant is like, is either they're wanting you to do something that is not good and goes against what your faith tells you, or if they're constantly harping on you, like I just said, like if you're going to sit there and just attack and attack and attack my faith, obviously... I cannot be unequally yoked in that situation. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with a friendship. I can't be unequally yoked. We have to disconnect. And it's the same thing with the marriage stuff. They're like, oh, no, no, I, as a Christian, I mean, she's an atheist, but it's okay. I'll No, it's not. It's not okay. It's not something good to be a part of. And, and we can agree on that. But again, it's not. And, and then it comes down to, well, then so you hate her because you won't marry the person, the girl? 
Or you, you, you won't date a person who's a non-believer, so you hate them then. No, I don't. It's my faith tells me that this is wrong, and I will follow my faith, and I will do what it tells me to do because that's what I believe. And if you, if you were to take this to almost, like, how, how many other realms could you take this to? And people would be like, oh, yeah, that's a normal thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You say, oh, well, I wouldn't date a, I wouldn't date a Republican. I could only date another Democrat. Okay, I don't think many people would be unfounded by that. No, because you have different worldviews, you have different ways of life, you have different ideals of things. So of course you want someone who's going to hold your hand with you and you know brave the storm or whatever you want to say. Uh, it, but the second someone says, "Oh well, I could never date someone who is not a Christian because we would not have the same emphasis in things and we would not have the same goals and mindsets." Oh well, that's just uh, that's a little. Or what are you? Some kind of some kind of Jesus nut? What? What in the world are you doing? The difference is that Satan cares about one, and he wants you to focus on another one, and he cares more about the we're not compatible because of our faiths. And the other thing that you mentioned with exactly what happens, like the Republican and Democrat thing, he focus on that because that doesn't really matter. This other thing that actually matters towards your your walk with Christ towards everything that is your life, if you're a Christian, that matters to him more. So mm-hmm. obviously that's the one the world's going to be like, oh, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then if you're like, no, I'm going to follow it, it's, well, you hate them. You obviously hate, you hate all atheists. If, they, if you don't believe in Christ, then you obviously hate that person now. And that's what it goes, it boils all the, it always boil it down to that. And, and that's why you have this thing where, these people that deconstruct, these people that are ex-evangelicals, I guarantee if I went and asked my whatever in-laws, I don't even know what he is. So he's in-laws girlfriend. Like, hey, what happened to you that made you want to do that? I'm sure she wouldn't want to talk to me first off because normally people in that position, they'll be a loud talker when they're talking about it and letting you know. The second you start questioning anything, even if you're being it from a nice perspective, you're probably not going to get many answers. But I bet you if I asked and she actually gave me a truthful answer, it would be on the lines of something like that. Well, I don't like that Christians hate blank. And then I would say, well, in the, in the Christian faith, we don't, we don't agree with that happening, and that's a sin if it does. But that doesn't mean that we automatically hate someone that does it. I don't hate anyone that does that. I just don't. I hate that they do it, and I want them to repent and them to come back to Christ or to come to Christ, but I don't hate them. Why Why must it be that way? Here, The thing people really don't like being pointed out is that how many people have you seen walking around wearing those like Che Guevara t-shirts, right? These socialist wannabes. They're I have a shirt the guy... to show you at the end of this one. <laughs> is it I Che mean, Guevara? Uh, yeah, it is, but let me, I'll, it's <laughs> so a special one. The, um, you know, people walk around with those. They think, oh yeah, socialism, it's the best. Yeah, let's do this. And they, you know, they're normally very highly progressive people. I'll leave it at that. So they're walking around talking all about how much they love Che Guevara and they'll bash Christianity. They'll say, oh yeah, we could never do that. You know, you guys just hate gay people. You hate homosexuals. You hate all this stuff. But they put out of their mind the fact that Che Guevara and those like him were literally throwing people off of rooftops, like homosexual people off of rooftops. 
they they say it's it's you know is a cultural difference when you say when you bring up I don't know Syria and how Islamic extremists in certain other countries treat women and how they treat homosexual people how they treat other races it's just a cultural difference over there but when it's Christians here then you know we're the biggest threat you Christian nationalist extremists We'll always be called that, no matter what. Yeah, it no. doesn't matter. Doesn't we really could matter. be the farthest thing from a Christian nationalist, and they'll always call us that. So you might as well just accept the fact that you'll be called it. Print it on a shirt. Wear it um, everywhere. <laughs> Don't do that. But the second anything you say, you just say the words, the Christian faith does not accept that homosexuality is a viable option. You say those words, boom. You're hated. You're canceled. You're fired from your job. Everyone hates you. How can you dare say those things? And it, all it goes to show is that the world hates the truth. The world hates Christians. And it, th- this has been pointed out since the very beginning. You, you say anything truthful. You, you start bringing truth up and to be known. People hate you for it. You can look at that. I mean, how many people were burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English. Oh. Uh, right? How, no. how many people were m- were murdered because they didn't baptize infants? Uh, now, of course, that is a cultural difference. <laughs> I almost said cultural difference. <laughs> that is a denominational difference. In the words of, um, of my boy, Doug Wilson, sprinkling babies is biblical, and it's really cute. I mean, it is cute, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've never seen it. But, um, you know, th- th- there's so many different points you can point to throughout history where someone was saying something truthful and they got murdered for it. Right. So you can just I mean, look at the persecution that. of all the Christians that wouldn't sit there and get. I'm reading a bunch of books about this. So, yeah. Anyway, there's Fox's a lot, book of martyrs. Lots of. Yes, exactly. Lots of people died for the truth. And, yeah. And they were told, no, this is not the truth. Ours is the truth, and now you'll die for it. And it, it, it just, again, there is no excuse for a Christian to have hatred towards any person, right? You, 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 there is, no matter who the person is, they are made in the image of God. You can have disagreements with someone. I mean, you can, you, you can fundamentally, you, you can go to war with people, right? You think about, like, I don't know, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, we go to war with that guy. Not good. He was doing wrong things. He needs to be punished for for his iniquity, for his sin. But he's still made in the image of God, and we need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge that these people that we disagree with on these other sin issues are made in the image of God. And, it's hard, and in it's, as much as is possible, live as live at peace with all men. And it's such a hard, visceral reaction when you hear something like that, like where it's like that person, no matter how evil they are, no matter how much awfulness that they did they're still made in the image of god and to sit there and be like i hate them like that's what the world feeds on i mean think mm-hmm. about it like right now who's the guy we're supposed to hate what vladimir putin i would say probably Feed your anger that's <laughs> yeah, right strike me down but, but it's it's just they point towards someone that's who we need to hate and it's mm-hmm. like i don't like what he does okay whatever I'm not going to sit here and just start hating everybody, especially when you're telling me I do, you just have to hate him. If you don't hate him, then there's a problem. No, I think there's a problem that you hate him. 
Because you're going, a lot of those people are going from a perspective of the world. So I guess they don't really are, they're not held to the same standard as we are. But as Christians, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I definitely hate that guy. Like, no, I pray for him. I say, please stop what you're doing. What you're doing is wrong. Like, intervene, Lord. Do something about this. It's the same thing with anyone else in this world that we're supposed to hate. Okay? The things, the awful things that go on that happen to our children, that happen to our families. It's like, yes, they're heinous acts. But it's like, I pray for these people. And I pray that I'm not going to sit here and become hatred, hateful towards them. Mm-hmm. I won't have hatred towards them. And, um, you know, does it always work? No, of course not. Because things happen and I'm a human and we still hate. But it's, again, this, the thing that it comes down to is we as Christians are not called to hate. That's why I'm talking about right now is, yeah, I might stumble and hate something or hate someone. I mean, but that's not where the position, I'm not in a good position as a Christian in my hatred. It's actually a sin. So therefore, I should stop hating them. Yeah. I, should, I should go to Christ. I should go to God. I should pray about that. I should pray about them. I should ask for, for God to come and just absolutely let the Holy Spirit work in me, get rid of this hatred, and then for the Holy Spirit to go and work in that person. Mm-hmm. That's what I should be praying for. It's, it, it, that's, it's what irks me. It's like, no, when we're, if we're in a hate, I hate you position, we are in the wrong. That's not what Christianity, that's not what evangelicalism teaches, is that we are to hate the people that do these, these, these sins. If we did, then I'd hate myself. Then every Christian should hate me because I sin. I sin all the time. So they should obviously hate me. So we should hate every single Christian. All Christians should hate each other. I mean, look at, look at Jonah, right? He went to Nineveh. Which yeah, I hate that guy. The- <laughs> That, you know, Sorry, the, I'm getting so serious. I gotta, just, I'm trying to cut this tension. The, the capital of just everything terrible in the world, Jonah went there and hated going there. And what did God use? I, I wish I could remember. What, Wait, repent? Jonah went to New York? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but the city. He, God used like one sentence from Jonah. To convert an entire city. Yep. To prove that it doesn't matter what you as a person think about these people, I am using them. They are, they, and no matter what, I am using these people. So it's just, it's something to remember and to be convicted by when you're tempted to have animosity towards someone. They're made in the image of God. Now, back to deconstruction before you move on from that jonah thing but what did jonah do after that god god saved all of them my sunday school veggie tales is failing i'm sorry i'm not don't worry about it he he he, he was was mad yeah he was mad that that god you could say almost say that he hated that that happened Mm because he kind of hated those people Mm -hmm. and was god like cool with that like hey yeah dude good job i don't think god was okay with it which just goes to my point of we are not made to sit here and hate people for what they do or what they did. That's not okay. It's not what Christians are about. Now go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ask you a question <laughs> no, and then good. sit there silently and be like, oh yeah, you, I want to know the specific mean, you answer. Did, you didn't mean to act like me. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's right. Because <laughs> I hate it. I want I want to look at like com- do a compare and contrast sort of thing here. So you have I've talked about him before, but Rhett and Link. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they were both heavily involved in Campus Crusade, you know, crew ministries, stuff like that. And they uh they had their huge YouTube influence, huge. I remember watching them all the time. They had a big podcast and everything. They moved out to LA, got their big 
everything started and going and then they start they they uh they hire people and they get more and more and more and more growing and his phone is going off okay whatever it hasn't happened like four episodes (laughs) but um but it has happened before (laughs) (laughs) okay red and link got it okay they so then as as time goes on uh ret specifically starts uh he said he was reassessing and then it went from reassessing to he's deconstructing to then he's not just deconstructing he is gone away from the faith and he said that he uh you know he jumped off of a boat and jumped into the water and took his whole family with him into unexplored territory and a lot of this stemmed from he started getting bad information he didn't ask other people he talked to one other person link who he was dragging with him well i mean link was probably going with him willingly right but it was just the two of them they didn't talk to other people they didn't seek out guidance they didn't seek out advice they just started reading random things to the point where Rhett has stated, you know, and Jesus probably didn't even exist, which is one of the worst possible historical takes you can ever have. I mean, well, like how, it, I like this, how we preface it with probably. Yeah. But <laughs> it, that, that no matter who you are, you can be the biggest, I mean, Stephen Hawking, even like Neil deGrasse Tyson believes that Jesus existed because it's undisputed that there was a man called Jesus, who walked the earth and was crucified, right? Now and was the Messiah and was the Messiah. So and saved us all from our sins. The but so that's just a whole other thing, and and a lot of it also goes back to one of the people they hired was a, a gay woman, and they started thinking, well, how can we be Christians but also work with a, a gay person? How can we do this? And instead of Addressing those concerns, they let it fester. They thought about it themselves. They did not seek wiser counsel, and then they just completely became apostates. I mean, is that woman sitting there constantly making you question your faith? If not, why is it a problem to work with this woman because she's gay? I that it it's like this big brain, tiny brain thing, and that's like a really tiny brain. Like, why would that question even come up? Like, you obviously have no... Like, I'm... This show, everyone, as I like to call it, is the show by two laymen, okay? Meaning as in, we aren't pastors, we are not theologians, and Jeremiah, I would say, is probably 40 times or more, more in-depth into the Christian faith, church history than i am i i okay. just okay I, he is i so, read one buzzfeed article okay, that's so. <laughs> <laughs> that's one more than me anyway no but it and for for me i sit here i mean i learn new stuff every single week when we sit here and talk and i look at comments or situations like this and i go even for me i could look at this without having any kind of formal training without you know, obviously I was in church ever since I was a kid. Did I sit there and read the Bible every single day? Did I really study? Absolutely not. But I can look at that situation and go, this situation is not a problematic situation at all. No. And actually I can love this woman. And you know what? Christ can shine through me. And who knows? What if 
what what if I can win her back? What if I or if she was a Christian before and now is not? It's like what what if I can be the vessel that Christ uses that the Holy Spirit works through to bring this woman to be a Christian? That's what the thought should have been for for them. But instead, it turned into well the, well what we follow, you know, hates this person. And I'm like, who's teaching you? It's it's a lot of just bad unchecked theology. And that bad theology hurts people. That's the tagline of a podcast I listen to, Cultish from Apology Radio. I was actually just listening to them um, the other day. Yeah. But they, you know, they that's they have hats with that. I should I should buy one. It's a cool hat. But don't give um, them any money. No. They should give me money. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, it is a cool hat though. But the uh the, you now know, I bad think theology does hurt people and it might not hurt people directly, but it can hurt people indirectly. You think not just the bad theology of like, I don't know, Jonestown, but the bad theology of progressive Christianity, the bad theology of fundamentalist Christianity. These people who are trying to lay burdens on Christians for no reason other than their own self-aggrandizement and trying to make it seem like their salvation is of their own uh, their own power. Indirectly so. They wouldn't say that out loud, but a lot of fundamentalists do the thing where, well, well we wear culottes because it's, it's, you know, we want to abstain from the appearance of evil. And what that is a code for, abstaining from the appearance of evil, is we want to look better than you, so that way we can shame people who do not act like us. It's almost like a lot of this tradition stuff always stems from, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, ref- we're both reformed. Re- the reformed... How dare you identify me as something like that? Yes, I am reformed. But uh, <laughs> you quote Doug Wilson like every episode, and you're going to say, "How dare me?" My boy Doug, dude, Dougie gonna, Fresh. One day he's going to invite me on his podcast. But I'm going to talk to him. The uh, probably not. That would probably, probably be not. disaster. Go no. ahead. The um, the reform perspective is a tradition too. You know, we have to acknowledge that people who people who don't uh, acknowledge their own tradition are usually blinded by them, mm-hmm. <laughs> Catholics. <laughs> but th- we do have our own traditions. But what is the Reformed tradition? Reading the Bible. Yeah. What is what is like the and, definition of what a Reformed person is? It's biblical based people. And That's, so Christians, you, you you look at that, and what do we get from that? From the Reformed tradition, from the Reformed perspective, you get people who are constantly disentangling they're constantly reassessing and they're constantly looking at how they act personally and saying am i representing christ biblically not am i representing my tradition am i representing baptist or presbyterian or whoever you want to say am i representing that right now are you representing christ correctly you took away one of my talking points whatever dude well i'm so tired you can't have it back because I was going to talk about the, well, don't we deconstruct sometimes? Because we have to, we reevaluate what we think and what we, because you could say that I've reevaluated many things as I've grown up and become more and more uh, mature in my walk with Christ. Now, am I mature? No. But, I mean, it's sanctification happens one day at a time, baby. 
and <laughs> but yeah, I, baby. But, but but disentanglement yes that is more of what it is because like like we were talking about earlier this deconstruction thing is just it's a mechanism for satan it just makes it easy for him to come in and be like no look nothing none of this is right none of this is real it's all hocus pocus god isn't real none of this this book that you're reading isn't real he's not here for you but the world is we're here and we'll accept you for who you are mm-hmm now the the contrast I wanted to do from Rhett and Link is Thomas, right? You you yes Thomas. You, you read about Thomas. Oh, from the Bible. Yeah, doubting Thomas. Okay, because right? you didn't give me a last name. I thought we were talking from influence. I was like, okay, I don't who know is, this guy. Who is this Thomas? <laughs> who is Thomas? <laughs> Describe him to me. <laughs> What's but his podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he's known as doubting thomas unfortunately but what did he do when when christ was crucified and they were hiding he he was then told hey christ is resurrected and what did he say i i don't believe it i won't believe it until i stick i can touch the wounds in his hands and in his side i i i don't believe it but how did he do that he didn't go to some far country and stay there away from the people he was in he was in the quote unquote church with he was the other apostles he didn't run away from them he stayed with them and said i don't believe that this happened i need help he was there he was still a part of the community he was questioning what happened but he stayed and if you're in a position where you are unsure of all these things, the best thing you can do is to, if you're in a good, solid, Bible-believing, preaching church, stay and question with them. No one is going to judge you. No one should judge no you. One should Let's judge go with you. that one, yeah. No I, one, I agree with you, yes. No one should judge you if you come forward and say, I don't know if I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. How do we know that it made it from Genesis to now, and was not altered. How do we know that Jesus was actually God? How do we know that Paul actually wrote those books? How do we know? How do we know? How do we know? Ask those questions. Because the second you just disappear, you, you wipe yourself off the face of the earth, and you say, I'm just, I'm reevaluating. A lot of those people who do that, by the way, they aren't actually looking for answers to the question. A lot of people who seriously deconstruct have already had it set in their mind and they leave. And I know from personal experience, when you reach out to those people and say, hey, let's get some coffee. Let's talk. Let's see about you know what you're thinking here. They don't want to have communication. Yeah. With and then you look at these influencers. I saw one the other day who said, well, it was like the top five worst things you can say to someone who's deconstructing. And one of them was, you want to go talk about uh, what, what you're going through? And that just shows they know what they're doing is wrong because they don't even want to talk about it. They don't want to have any interaction with people. I just want to tell you my decision, and I'm not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard that? And you're like, obviously, you have the conviction. I have it. I have friends that are still right now in in this present time are doing things that are completely against the Christian faith, and it's like. And you point it out to them and say, but let's talk about it. Like, I'm telling you, you should stop doing this. Let's talk about it, though. And then it's 
everything that they can possibly think of is thrown right back in my face. Yep. I'm not talking about this either. I, what I'm doing is not wrong. It's like, it's almost like you're, is it helping you to lie to me so you don't have to just keep lying to yourself in your brain? If I knew what I was doing was right, let, let's say, let's say I want to like live with my girlfriend, right? If I'm utterly convinced that what I'm doing is right, then I would have no problem having people over while I'm living with my girlfriend. I would have no problem inviting the pastor I was with or a deacon from the church over to me and my girlfriend's house while we're living together. But the people who do that and they're Christians, they they know what they're doing is wrong. They know what they're doing is wrong. So they try to, they don't want to hide it, but they don't want it to be known. And if you try and say something to them, they say, oh, well, you know what? It's not really... I don't really want to talk. That makes me uncomfortable. We don't have to talk about that. We'll talk about it another time. No, we know that cohabitation is sinful. We know that that act is purposefully called the marital act. It's it, what you're doing is reserved for a specific situation with specific people. And if you are in a Bible believing church and for some reason you think it's okay for you to do that, if you're fully convinced it's okay, have your pastor over for dinner and explain to him the situation with your girlfriend and your pastor and his wife sitting there or a deacon or someone else from the church. But the problem is most of the people that were in Bible-believing churches and decide, you know what, I want to go off and sin. I want to go off and do my own thing. I want to have my girlfriend. I want to have my boyfriend live with me are going to try to hide it, try to say, hey, you know what, that's not, it's not really an issue. It does, the Bible doesn't really say, does it? Who does that sound like? Did God really say that you should eat? <laughs> uh, that you couldn't eat? Oh, hold on. Uh, Satan. There you go. <laughs> it's like number four on the list of Sunday school answers. Well, if I said Jesus, I mean, it probably would have gone really bad for me on this, don't you think? That's why I said it was number four. You got to go through Jesus. God. Well, I was going to do Satan. I was going to do Got a it. list of 5 things that people deconstruct over, but I mean, go for go for broke. Let's go. I don't know broke. what broke is. Let's just do it. You know what? Okay, so we're going to go over this is um I just went on Google and uh, I guess this is like a new segment we'll call it the Google segment. And the, the very first article that comes up, uh we're going to just go through the well, I guess the first list of reasons for things, we'll go through it. So these are five reasons why people deconstruct. Number one is trust in large institutions declining all across the board. That would include government, business, media, and church. And because we are having a decline in the trust, obviously we should just start deconstructing our faith. I, mean, I don't trust the government, therefore... I can't trust God anymore. <laughs> Wait, Big Pharma doesn't have my interests? Obviously, I need to look at my pastor and realize that he's actually evil. <laughs> like, I was wondering why the Moderna ad was on the screen. Oh, my gosh. No, that, see, that's just... Then go to a smaller church. Next question. Next, <laughs> next point. Let's go. It was just, I saw this too. 24% of 18 to 34-year-olds said pastors and clergy have... Uh, oh, sorry. Only 24% of 18 to 34-year-olds said pastors and clergy have high honesty. Interesting. 
Probably because everyone that's in that age group, which actually includes, and me, I mean, how many people? How many people too are affected by prosperity preaching? Right? You see the big. No, you know, we don't care about that. But they, but, but that distrust Shh, comes a lot. Shut from up! That. Shut up! Okay. Okay. We live number two. We live in a more diverse, accessible, and mobile world. What? You simply lived and died within the religious system you were born to. I guess is what they're trying to say. Oh, so now now globalization yeah. and the access to other religions has negated. I should try Satanism because <laughs> we need to be included. I mean, <laughs> what in the world is this list? This is great. I love. It. We're doing. We're gonna do this segment every single week yes. from now on. All right, number three. Let's go on to the next one. High performing Christians are simply burning out. High performing. I, I guess they mean like you're. Uh, wouldn't that be so, a ministry overload yeah, type ministry thing? Ministry overload. Yeah, I could. I guess. I. I. You know, if you're doing too much. This one is specifically, I think, for this is saying for, this is for, for leaders, yeah. like people in leadership positions. And if you're in a leadership position, then there's. I mean, unless you are literally the only able-bodied person at that church, then I think. If you went to your senior pastor, or if you are the senior pastor and you went before your your board of elders, and you said, "Hey, uh, I'm doing too much. I need a break," that's another one of those things where people shouldn't judge you for that. Right. All right. Let's go to number four: the prideful prioritization of conformity over unity. This one literally kind of makes me laugh, and by that I mean it does make me laugh because Ephesians. Like I think it's Ephesians one or two. Like the entire purpose of that chapter is talking about the unity of the church, and what this is talking about is the unity of believers with what the world wants. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we don't want unity in the church, and we want unity with everyone who's in the church with all the terrible things we're doing outside the church. Yeah, uh, <laughs> why wasn't Jesus a 21st century feminist, right? Yeah, why, absolutely. Why, yeah. That's a, that, those are the questions. I need to know these, these answers to these questions. All right, number five, the acceptance of political ideology and conspiracy theories in Christian communities. Oh. It is not a coincidence that deconstruction became more mainstream during one of the politically tumultuous eras of modern history all right i'm going off so yes here we go you have a lot of fundamentalist preachers who were hardcore trumpites trumpians you got jerry falwells of the world uh who were for some reason preaching all this stuff about how trump is going to save america trump's the messiah say yeah giving him a messiah messianic figurehead and then the the conspiracy theory stuff Okay, what do they mean by conspiracy theory? Do you mean literal QAnon, you know, from the pulpit, or do you mean saying that there are parties in the world who would like to take and corrupt your children? That's that's the conspiracy theorist problem. Is because you say you say that you say something like that, and people say, "Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist." That's not a conspiracy. That's happening everywhere. That's happening constantly but with with obviously they're talking about trump <laughs> that <it, laughs> how could you tell it, come on think be about biden yeah the the fundamentalists the the ultra conservative christian churches 
that were lauding Donald Trump endlessly, despite the fact that he was an immoral man, he was a sinful man, he was consist he was a serial womanizer might be a good way to put it uh and from the pulpit saying that he is going to save america and i saw a tiktok of a guy literally praying to donald trump and you know those are crazy people i wonder what two corinthians says about that. yeah what does two corinthians <laughs> have to say but you you look at all of that and if you are a biblically sound person and you see someone just going off about that and and saying crazy things like that on a Sunday morning or night or Wednesday whenever you have service then you know leave find find a church that isn't doing that now a church should be speaking on political topics to an extent yeah a church should be addressing Caesar. A church should be uh, telling the leaders that they need to obey the commands of Christ. They need to obey the laws uh, that Jesus has laid out in the Bible. But a church should not be praising someone the way that certain groups praise Donald Trump and certain groups even praise Joe Biden or any other political candidate. We are... That's not our place. And I did see a lot of people saying how Donald Trump made them deconstruct. No, Donald Trump did not make you deconstruct. He's not the boogeyman. He's not. Well, the he's the Messiah. Remember, <laughs> he's not the Messiah. He uh, he he's a guy who was really popular, became president, did some good, did some bad, but. He did not make you deconstruct. He's You're a he's, he's a man, that. dude. That's he's all a man. It is. It's like you come on, like not he, the he's a he's a not the yeah. Okay. Hey, that's good enough. I think we're gonna make that a segment, though. I think I'm gonna that was start, a fun segment. I'm gonna do every week with whatever the topic. I will go in the first article that comes up on the Google search. We will read it and hopefully unless it's a list. we have to pay because I'm not paying for anything. What if it's the Wall Street Journal though? Anyway, so <laughs> with that, it concludes deconstruction. Slash evangelical movements that aren't movements, whatever you want to call them. Very good episode. Yeah, I actually like that. I got that into good. it. That was and better than PDA. Barely scratched the surface on this too. Yeah, There's but like, so don't more. we do that with pretty much every topic we have? Because we're literally just yeah. talking, and then we get on sidetracks like how to <laughs> accost people when you're spreading the gospel. Anyway, next week we are going to tell you guys how you are wrong about church. Clicks. I'm gonna go watch Mean oh, Girls. Did you talk about that with your other friends? <sighs> I didn't want to. I didn't invite you because <laughs> that's it. He's, he's walking off the set. He's walking off the set. Anyway, we're gonna do it on Church Clicks next week. Uh, so it should be a good episode. Get out of my house. Oh, this is my house. Then why am I here? I don't know. Anyway, you guys can find us on our social medias. You can find us on Instagram at. First off, you're wrong. All spelled out. Wow. Well, I was, I'll just get rid of the pause. Now I won't because I talked about it. You can also find us on X. Do we even post on X anymore? I haven't in a long time. I don't know how to use Twitter. Does so, if someone knows how to use Twitter, hit us up on Instagram. Also, why don't we just get rid of Twitter? Just have an Instagram. 
there's someone else that I know that runs Twitter a lot better than we do. I should just pay him to do it. Because honestly, I don't know how to do it. I don't know if there's even reach on Twitter. If you guys know more about Twitter, hit us up at F underscore O underscore Y underscore W. That's our Twitter. X. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which obviously I'd hope you'd know since you're listening to this episode. I've always thought that. Why do we say that when it's like... Maybe someone found us on Spotify and they prefer Apple Podcasts. Why would you ever prefer Apple Podcasts? I don't know. Anyway, now that we've learned that, the most important thing that you guys need to remember that you learned today is that first off, you're wrong. <laughs>